What's up, everybody? Code Pen Radio, number 380. This is a first. We're 380 episodes in, and I've definitely never done a show quite like this before, where our guest on air used to work at Code Pen. <laughs> it's just, uh, we're just not, we haven't had that much employee churn, really, so it's kind of cool to, to ha- have this happen. Jake, you're still one of the Code Pen family. What's up, Mr. Jake Albaugh? Yo, what's up, everybody? Good to be back. <laughs> Yeah, Jake was an early employee. I'll tell you a story. We uh, we we used to do code pen meetups back in the day, and I think this is how it went down. Basically, did one in Chicago, mm-hmm. which I think Matt Soria was running, but Jake's yeah. you know obviously Chicago. You still are, aren't you, Chicago? Yeah. yeah, 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 right on. And then and then had one and met Jake down there. And Jake, you're such a personable guy. Everybody likes Jake, and he's so creative and had already built cool stuff on Code Pen, and it felt like a natural fit. I think we were just walking around, and what we really needed was, despite all this front end work you did, be like, yeah, I'd love to hire you as a front end developer, but what we really need is back end. And you're like, whatever, I can do back end too, you know? Jake, you can kind of kind of do it all, and ended up working for us for quite a while. And then just kind of—I was going to say—I think it was almost three years. That was great. There's still there's still code. You know, do you do you have that VS Code plugin installed, like Git Lens or whatever? You can see any line of code <laughs> you're on. You can see who wrote it. Yeah, there's plenty of Jake stuff in there still. That's funny. Especially because yeah. right now we're doing this like transitioning a big API over over to Go, and the API was mm-hmm. originally written in in Rails. So there's a lot of like cross referencing, like, oh, what's what's Rails doing over here? Oh, guess who wrote that? You know. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so so and and yeah, and we have Marie here too. What's up, Marie? Hey, everybody. Yep. I insisted on being on this episode. Jake and um, I were the the first cohort of employees mm-hmm. at CodePen. I think you're. Are you number two, Jake, or were you I, number two? You know, I think I might have been starting at number two, but I think I was officially on the books as. My, Rach might have been number two officially on the books. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, it, that's yeah. why we call it a cohort because they all kind of happened all at the same time. So the starting dates were one close. big group all at once. So yeah, I just had to be on. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad you're here. It was awesome. And Marie's done. You know, our our resident SQL expert has has some data on Jake. I'm afraid to post. <laughs> only good stuff. Only good only stuff. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've been at it for a while, but I want to know, like you're, you're, we can, let's start at the end. You're at Figma yeah. now. Yeah. I'm a developer advocate at Figma. So, um, I'm the first developer advocate at Figma. Mm. Uh, we have an advocacy team, but as you might expect, most of the advocates at Figma are design, right? And yeah. So we're, we're, um, we're building the developer advocacy arm at Figma, which is a lot of fun and a great spot to kind of be, yeah. you know, early in in terms of like this role. It's because um, it has APIs and stuff. Is that and you can like build plugins and stuff. Yeah, is that so yeah? The way I talk about it is, it's like you. We have different types of developer experience because we have the extensibility platform because you can build plugins, widgets, use our REST API. So using the code we write and learning the code we write. Um, for people to use. But then there's also like Figma is a product, right? And FigJam is also a product that developers use a lot, right? Or at least have to engage with. And so um, how we improve that for developers and, oh, uh, I see. you know, support developers on that side, that's another aspect of this. So big picture, there's a whole lot going on there and um, there's a lot of room for us to grow there. So it, it's really exciting to kind of like be involved 
at a impressionable stage, you know. Yeah, what I mean? I'm glad it's. It seems like an interesting role for you because uh, you know you've 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 had so many different experiences. Yeah, yeah. In, at different companies doing different things, but like very different things, you know, yeah. from really techy back end decision making about what tech we're going to use kind of stuff to now where that that's so much more established. I mean, to, l- walk us through it, you know, like, I guess we know your life up to code pen. So then yeah. what was the first jump then? It was, wasn't it a vinyl me please? It or was. Yeah, yeah. So vinyl me please, which uh, is a vinyl record like club. Uh, it's fairly like e-commerce-y, you know, uh, but yeah. I was doing kind of more, I was taking all my Rails experience that I learned at CodePen, right? And and the kind of server-side Rails uh, database stuff. Uh, I brought that over to Vinyl Me Please and was doing Rails app stuff there. I did that for almost two years. Uh, and then uh, from there, I ended up at Talk, which was uh, or is a kind of like a reservation platform for restaurants. Um, and that was mostly like front end, like I got deep into React and TypeScript and like building components and component library oh. stuff, tons of kind of like working with design teams on, you know, I talk was a You're really back cool. Back to the front end. Yeah. Back to the front end. Uh, so the, the situation at talk was really cool because it was like, uh, we had like a very small design systems team, uh, with dedicated designer. And then I was, a contributing as an engineer there, but then we also have like product designers that have to learn how to use a component library and you have to like convince them that it's a good idea. And then you have like implementation engineers that are implementing the front end and teaching them kind of like how design systems is actually really helping them out. And those things that are annoying get solved if they come in earlier into Figma, uh, and are, you know, talking about the components. So it was like that, like perfect kind of size, where there's enough people involved where you're learning a lot and helping solve problems for people, but not so big that you kind of like disappear in the void. Uh, and then from there, Figma. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's, so it's like it's, a lot of jumps, but you did get it pretty fast. So yeah, that's cool. And, and they do seem very different to me. It's, a, it's rare to meet somebody who kind of effortlessly has jumped back and forth between very different roles. Figma being a, a third very different role because you're not... I mean, I'm maybe you are deep in the code base. I mean, I think, but 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 that's not maybe your day to day role. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of code, but it's not like Figma app code, right? Like it's it's and and this is kind of one of the things that I've learned is like I like the more the like the lighter weight, like building a plugin, building a widget, like experimenting, mm. being creative, showing how to do something coding in that world instead of like, I'm going to build something that's going to last for seven years. You know, like, uh, I, I, I like a lot of quicker things, uh, that that's in, in like quick problem solving stuff. So yeah, interesting. it's kind of like, I, it's almost as if I, I, I found a career building pens is what it really feels like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, cause you're, you've known for that kind of like, here's this, cause your pens are, 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 are quick, but not that quick. You know, they're, right, they can be right. pretty. They can be pretty fancy. Why don't we do some of those before circling back to some other stuff? This episode of CodePen Radio is brought to you in part by Memberful 
which is an awesome piece of software to help you build membership-driven businesses. Say you're a developer and your goal, just to make this extra developer-y, let's say what you're going to do is build a website in order to like sell an online course to other developers. So we're just, we're a developer ourselves and we're building things for other developers. How am I going to do that? How would I, Chris Coyer, build that? I'd probably spin up a WordPress site just because I happen to know WordPress, but that's a smaller consideration than knowing that Memberful has a really powerful integration through a WordPress plugin. So what that means is I can build the site any way I want, have a wonderful homepage, have sales pages, have a blog, have a podcast that I know I can protect through Memberful for members only, have the video course page laid out with, you know, ability to, you know, mark courses as done and just all that stuff. I know that I could build that in WordPress, but then I know through Memberful that I know that people will be able to sign up. I know I'll be able to make, you know, annual plans and monthly plans and one-time plans and team plans plans and all this stuff that I need to do, I know that I'll be able to lock down access to different parts of the site and put upsells there, depending on whether people are members or not. Uh, I know I'll be able to have different levels, so I can say, you know, you, you get access to this if you're at this level and these additional things if you're this level. I know that I'll have all the tools I need as a developer to build the site that I want to build and know that Memberful will take care of so much of this stuff of emailing people and charging cards and repeating charging cards and that server-side protection of my content and my pages for these paid plans. It's just that's how I would do it. I would just use Memberful and use WordPress and know that it really would be a nice experience as a developer. Thanks for the support. Marie, what's some classic, like, Jake complicated, weird pens? We're going to go back into the Jake archives here. So I think the one probably... His earliest hit, real hit, was the self-coding pen, mm-hmm. which was the pen that would write its own code in in the preview. People Probably were blown away by here, that I one. Think. Yeah, that I was. think it was. Yeah, I presented that one at the first Chicago Code Pen Meetup, and that was like that was what solidified like, oh, community. I love people and doing this. Was that first Chicago Meetup? Yeah, and then that one has a, a companion pen, right, Jake? Yeah, there's a companion pen. So there's PWLXXP which is the hash for the for the self-coding pen. And then J-O-R-V-W or something like that is its cousin <laughs> that also like executes JavaScript. So it like, nice. it does like a bunch mm. of wild stuff, self-coding. God, I'm glad we didn't screw up your slug. There was like yeah, a know, handful right? of oh, early slug slugs. Situations. <laughs> it's not that early though. He's, he's yeah. just under the wire on that one. Okay. So then, so, <sighs> that, so that's, that's an early hit. And that was like a code pen community classic. But then yeah. there's a couple that I would say are the ones that were the ones that kind of reached outside of the code pen community and went viral. One being the, uh, the chord pro- progression arpeggiator. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was you- almost to a million views. I had no idea. And I just checked it before this. Seriously. 990,000 views. Yes. Yeah. Isn't there one that like, that like somebody who like works for Brian, you know, put it on some kind of like auto tweeter every like, every like two months. It's, it's just the same tweet over and over. (laughs) Yeah. It's that one. And then also your, your uh, Teddy Riley in C that's the other one that also gets tweeted by dark shark. So yeah, the the Brian, Eno hive is well aware of our Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Just that was, I mean, that was, 
learning that was me learning web audio you know like mm-hmm. it's that's like what's so special about codepen is it's a it's a place to kind of just like figure out stuff without needing to like you know like the social engagement is just is the justification and you don't need to like i don't know fit it into work life somehow you know yeah, um, mm-hmm. stuff so valuable. Yeah, it's interesting that people do both. Is that that kind of yeah. like oh, th- this that this is for work is kind of nice from a business perspective, but it's a, the the more fun stuff is actually because just I've talked with so many code pen people. The often the best stuff is like I did this because not work. <laughs> yeah, well, because there's there's no other place for it, you know. Like, and that's I'm, that's why it's a valuable space. Oh, what do you got, Marie? Oh, I got more. <laughs> so there's there's one that I refer to quite often, and that is the tombstone generator. <laughs> I have used that one. <laughs> Jake, I yeah. have used that one so much. <laughs> I bring it up in the alumni channel every now and then, but that ain't even half of how often I use that one. <laughs> it's funny just how like goofy and simple it is, but how very, very useful. That one has gotten popular outside of CodePen, too. We saw some journalists kind of tweeting that one around uh, a couple months back, actually. Just, you know, so this one, that one's the gift that just keeps on giving. And it's yeah. just, a, it's a simple pen. It's just a tombstone, and you can put four lines on it, and yeah. boy, do I ever get used to <laughs> But it's done in Canvas, right? Because yeah. when you're, it doesn't just, oh, it'd be one thing to just, like, write a text area on top of a JPEG or something, and that would right. be, still be kind of funny. But in this, but then you couldn't download it, right? You went the the you went a little bit further and made it downloadable, so then it can be you know shared in Slack. You or can whatever. use it as a picture, yeah. And then also, it's uh, it's like carved into the stone. You know, it looks real. Yeah, there's like a <laughs> semi-transparent shadow on it or highlight <laughs> or something. Beautiful. <laughs> Photo absolute classic. Oh yeah, I'm gonna say this. This is the newer one, a real big one. The AI chess, Jake. Oh, that one yeah. is incredible. That, was, that one was. It, that was like a. That's like a classic. How Jake thinks about CodePen is like. <laughs> I wonder how difficult it is to make chess, <laughs> and then you just start doing it, and then it's like, it. You either give up immediately, or you're like, okay, I think this is possible, and then you just kind of go in a hole for a while. It's playable, but what's great is it's also beatable. You can beat that yes. AI. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. It's nice to get one over on the computer. What's the What's the AI source then? Is there some so, open a- no, API no. for that? It's It's called Cheap AI Chess. Basically, I made bad AI billiards, which was based on like Yahoo Pool, you know, style game. Except it just randomly chooses a trajectory and power, you know. <laughs> yeah. So right. it's easy to beat. I wanted to do the same thing for chess. So it's cheap AI chess. But in order to like make a cheap AI, you need to know what are all possible legal moves at any moment. And like that. So I had to do all of that work in order to validate like the game of chess and make sure that it's a legal game oh, that's being there's played. No way, you're not hitting an API. This is 1,200 lines of, t- of TypeScript that is chess. Oh, yeah. And, and so it's, ver- it's validating like, because, you know, you have to know whether or not a move that you're making is putting yeah. your king in check in order to know whether or not that move is valid. So you have to play in order to know if your king is then in check, you have to check what the next person would do and whether or not anything would, you know, have the king in check. Anyways, it's like way more complicated than I thought it was going to be going into it. Yeah. Um, but the good thing is in order to just make playable chess, you basically 
know all of the legal moves at any point in time. So you can just randomize, just be like, I make oh. one of the legal moves, you know? You have like an array of legal moves. Yeah, and, like, and so then it's like, one. okay, make one of them, you know? And uh, which means you can have it play itself totally randomly uh, and then, you know, wager on who you think's going to win or whether or not oh, it'll be Oh, that's satisfying. Yeah. Uh, and I then you can that. speed it up or slow it down and you can play against it. You can also play against yourself. You can turn the AI off if you want to do that too. <laughs> nice. I was just in a meetup the other day where there's somebody, we were, we were trying to solve um, coding challenges together as a group, you know, so yeah. we could like yell at each other and be like, no, you should use dot reduce instead, you know, or whatever, you know, that was kind of the point of it. But we picked kind of easy challenges. Fortunately, Cassidy's newsletter is just full of them. You oh, know? Yeah. Every week she sends out a... Uh, a coding challenge kind of thing that end up being kind of perfect. I think for- I have like three private pens that are solving Cassidy challenge. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. So a guy goes, Hey, let's do this one. There's this classic chess one called like Queens move or something like mm-hmm. that. And the point is you, you, you put a, the, your challenge in the coding challenge is how many Queens can you put on a chess board that can't kill each other? You yeah, know, that they can't take each other. And then it's your job kind of algorithmically to figure out. But I was kind of like, oh, sounds hard. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do an easier one, you know? And you're like, let's do that, but actually all chess. That's Although that, that's a, that sounds like a very difficult problem. Yeah, kind of, because I think you can't just assume that you start in the top left corner and place one and then go. And then it's like, well, now you, now you have to be like, and if I place a second one in any of these positions... I, I'm sure there has to be like a non-brute force way to think about that, but that's exactly wow, where my brain goes. Definitely brute forced it yeah. is. Well, it, <laughs> I mean, that's there, there's like there's like a better way to think about chess. I'm pretty sure. Like there's like I think stockfish is like a common like uh, algorithm for chess stuff, and I think oh. they use like actual intelligence uh, to like know how to like play a chess game. But like for me, it's literally just brute force figuring out every legal move. You're probably uh, right. There is though, because yeah. b- because queens are so permissively m- movable yeah. that that you got to kind of start with only knights moves away. Right. That's yeah. all, like all you have. So I guess that's a little bit of intelligence you could apply right. b- before brute forcing. Like it almost sounds like a geometry problem more than like a or something like that. Yeah. Right. All right, so so this this pen is in TypeScript. I might bring it back to that because even you said that word because I think you were at you were doing design systems at that job when you did it, and and then I and then on CSS Tricks you you wrote about that year. You're like I had my I had my like TypeScript moment. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, I I I don't feel too strongly uh, typed about TypeScript. I I it's like. The way I kind of think about it is it's like rules for a game. Like if you were inventing basketball uh, there and you didn't have any rules yet, right? You're just like, I have a ball and some baskets. I don't even know how many baskets. I don't even know how many balls. You're like, you're trying to figure out the right combination of rules in order to make an actually good game, right? And there's something about the permissiveness of JavaScript that just like allows you to kind of like figure out what makes sense, right? Um, what TypeScript's really good at is if you like need to enforce those rules, right? Or if you know all of the rules and you're trying to do something very complicated or something you're going to ha- have to hand off to someone and they're going to have to follow rules that they might not know yet, you know, TypeScript's really good at like making sure that that stuff doesn't like break. But you don't have to use TypeScript to do that. You can also just like 
write very defensive JavaScript and like all this other stuff. But I, the way I've kind of come to see it is it's like certain contexts, it can be really, really, really super helpful. Um, especially if like VS code can use it to like suggest things for you. So you don't even have to type any, you know, you don't even have to write code. You're just selecting things from dropdowns and that sort of thing. But uh, I still do like most of my work that's fun in just like, normal JavaScript, like mm. no dependencies. I don't like having to build anything. Yeah, it sounds like you'd be the kind of guy that would like it, like it both ways, you know? Like, I like that they both exist. Yeah. yeah, depending on what I'm doing, yeah, yeah. I mean, at Figma, right, like our plugin API and widget APIs are... I, uh, I would guess types. They come with, well, they come with types, right? So if you install the types, it's like better documentation almost than like our docs website, you know, like you're able to just kind of like learn about this stuff in line as you go. And like, it's actually like super helpful for that sort of a context too. That IDE experience is, is, is to me like at least 51% of the value of it. I, I just like, I'd never go as far as to say it's unilaterally better than JavaScript. I think it's literally just like different strokes for different needs you know mm-hmm. um well it's interesting for me as i've been thinking about it, we, we don't we still don't use it at at, at codepen although i won't say don't use it because our, our 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 latest employee robert is a fan almost like a reluctant fan which maybe is, has some similarity to you in a way i don't know um but but it has written a few things in it when it's lightweight and isolated and doesn't affect anything else or whatever but I think it's an interesting to think back on the like the choice of it existing like like typed languages existed when JavaScript was invented, you know, like somebody decided on purpose for it to not be typed. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like like if you're if you're if you don't know what you're building yet, which is like for me 99% of the time when I start something, like I don't really know what I'm doing yet, you know? Other people are the exact opposite, right? Uh, but for people like me, like I love just being like, let's figure out what this is first. And then we can just like formalize it later if we even want to, you know? Yeah. I, I thought back on your article recently because I've been doing so much go work. I've decided, you know, after the kind of the sale of CSS tricks, I've been like, I don't care about the front end anymore. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm, ba- I'm back in now. Not really, but kind of, you know? In the, in the, in the, and then having this experience of learning this super typed language, it's not, yeah. it's not TypeScript, but Go is like a meanie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. very mad about your types. Anyway, but it's so great because you can hover over flipping anything in VS Code and it's like, this is what I am. Exactly. Uh, which is, which is really, really a neat experience. And then contrast it to having to reference Rails in which there's like right. none help. You're like, oh, here's a, here's a function I'm calling or some library method and you hover over it and it, you're just like waiting for the pop-up and you're like, nothing, really? <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, it's it's really nice to kind of like, you worry a lot less, but you write a lot more code. You know, it's like that. It that's kind of like the given. Hey, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, Lana. What else do you got? Marie's got. A, I, I'm looking at a dashboard here of a of, a, of this executed query. There's you know, a hundred plus picked pens made by, by Jake over the years. So I mean, it's it just runs the gamut. Every Ooh, cool thing you can imagine with who's the front in the hundred. The hundred club. Yes, he is. Probably not very many people in that club. Not a whole lot of people. There are some, and he's one yeah. of them. Fantastic. Um, what's 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 recent though? Can we like what have you been thinking about recently, or what has bubbled up on CodePen? 
Well, you I, just well, had a pick last week. The yeah, I did have tidy. a pick last week. Yeah. It's not. It's not as. Uh, I, it, it's it's kind of a basic pen, but it basically if you if you picture like a bunch of rectangles in like Figma, right? A bunch of images or shapes or whatever, um, and you want to just like tidy them all together, you know. And you know, you when you're like kind of drawing, kind of like a mosaic of rectangles and it's just really annoying to kind of just like collect everything in a reasonably orderly way. Um, I wrote a plugin for Figma that does that. And I wrote the underlying like packing algorithm to like do it. And then on CodePen, I visualized it um, as kind of just like a, it generates like, I don't know, 500 rectangles and then packs them together in a big old blob. That's, that's, yeah, is and the just, blob a nature of the algorithm, or does it attempt to be circular on purpose? I was just talking to Dave Rupert about this because he's trying to do something that requires packing, and it's it's really interesting because like a lot of packing algorithms like are really concerned with like rotation of shapes, right? And like what's the mm. optimal way to rotate things to make. But when you're doing something like images on a design file, you don't want to rotate anything, right? You want them to be preserved in there, you know, and you don't want to like, you don't care about that other stuff. And there's not a lot out there for it, but this algorithm in particular, what it does is it's actually like, it packs everything into the upper left-hand corner. Um, and so uh, in its like most natural state, it's just going and doing a row, then a column, inset row, then a column, inset row, then in a column, up into like an upper left-hand corner. Uh, and then what I do is I then, if you have 100 things, I make four groups of 25 of them and do four upper left-hand corner kind of like oh. packs and then rotate them radially to create a blob. Oh, you've almost kind of ruined it because now I kind of get it. Before yeah, it was exactly. magical. Well, I got a Twitter thread. I built a visualization <laughs> of it. Uh, it's... and. And in order to make it radial, instead of just going the full diameter to do a rectangle, you just gradually bring it in using pi to kind of make it like a quarter circle instead of a instead of like a a, a square or whatever. So, yeah. and then you just rotate those, and then you have a blob. So it's it's baked into uh, it's the like the blob thing is always going to be a circle because I'm evenly dividing into four sections that right. are relatively going to be, you know, about the same area. It doesn't seem to like prefer the largest ones up into the upper left necessarily though. It depends. Okay, yeah. So the way the way that one works in particular is the the algorithm basically says take the tallest ones and those are going uh left to right and then the widest ones are going top to bottom. Uh, and when I randomly generate rectangles, some of them are just a pixel taller than the other. So even though they're like smaller area, they're actually taller than the one that comes next to them. So it looks like they're not sorted by size, but they actually are. They're sorted by height horizontally and they're sorted by width vertically, uh, oh. if that makes sense. Even if they're like less <laughs> area than their neighbor. Yeah. Okay. And there's just some natural, like they're all, they all share one axis in common. Well, maybe, not, I guess not. When, not when you get to the little tiny ones. Look at, you should look at my Twitter thread. I have yeah, a visualization right. in there. I missed that. It's a lot clearer in the, in the visualization. But yeah, it's, it, it was a fun one because it was kind of, this is another classic kind of like what I really value about building on CodePen is like, uh, 
I want to like just figure out how to, I don't know, pack things into a shape, you know, like you're just like starting with that idea and you're just kind of throwing some against the wall and seeing if it works, you know? There's so. a little side effect to this one is if you run the canvas animation when the when the iframe is like five pixels wide mm-hmm. and stretch it back out, the browser barely knows what to do with it. It's like, that's funny. what? Um, yeah, that's cool. I, I appreciate that it, it kind of started a, a life as a, as a Figma concept, though. I think you, that's a strength of Figma in a way. Is that for I'll, Sometimes I'll even Google something. I'm like, how do you do like noise, you know, or something in Figma? And what you won't find is a Figma feature, right? Because Figma is pretty trimmed in what it does. But you, what you'll probably find is a plugin to do it. And the plugins are so, the, X, the DX there, whatever UX, I guess, is so chill that it, it, you're not afraid to do it. And I hate to, you know, no shade on Adobe. We've all used their stuff for decades. But like, A, if I had an idea for a plugin, I'm not even going to try in Photoshop. That sounds daunting and crazy. And if I, and I I also am probably a little unwilling to attempt to add it to my Photoshop either. So it's like a real weirdness, like a, but Figma, for whatever reason, maybe it's its web-based nature or something, makes it much more approachable. That's what, that's what really drew me to Figma is the fact that like, it just works in a web browser. <laughs> like that's so cool, you know. Uh, but with plugins specifically, there's there's actually like there's the API for like doing things in Figma, like create a rectangle, move it to here on you know like uh, yeah. in the file, and like make give it a fill of red or whatever. There's like that API, so the plugin can do that. But the plugin then can also open up what we call a UI, and it's just an iframe running a website. So if you know how to code any front end stuff, you can literally just in the plugin window, write HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. You can compile a React app. You can do whatever you want there. And it communicates to Figma using a post message. So you can send things to and from the UI uh, to Figma. So like if you drew something on a canvas, turn it into image bytes. You can send that over to Figma and paint it as a fill on a rectangle. You know? Yeah, they can communicate with but each other. web APIs in the UI. That's what's so cool about it is that you could just like do website stuff and bring it into Figma. Yeah. and But there is some, some I don't know if it's secret, but some kind of magic to the whole canvas of Figma, right? Is it, it's, I mean, the like metaphorical canvas because it's not yeah. actually canvas, right? Is no, it, it, well, it, it's... Oh, I need to like actually look at it again, but like it's 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 all front end like WebGL wild right, right, world right. of sports with like an <laughs> HTML layer on top of it, right? And like mm-hmm. uh, like there's actual buttons in there, there's actual you know links in there, but then in terms of like the actual canvas itself, yeah, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's truly magic because how how fast things are to open and 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 behave and zoom in and zoom out. You're never waiting for it, which is a pretty clutch pretty clutch feature. Is there a is there a final pen we can we can talk about? And for, for, fortunately, time goes so fast, so fast. Oh wow. You know, it's it's tough to uh, it's tough to come up with a good example when there's so many good ones. Jake, do you have a favorite one that I missed? You know, one that is still kind of like hanging in my mind is the video music one, the one where you put a color oh, in front yes. of your webcam and it it plays different music based on what color you're putting in front of your webcam. 
I'm what still, color? Like blue, red? That, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it changes the chord that's being played by an arpeggiator based on what you're holding in front of your camera. Oh, man. That, that works nicely with my, our, one of our recent episodes where we had this fella named Lee Martin who makes these like musical experiences for bands. Yeah, he would he would love that. I hope he's seen it. Yeah, I, I, I would assume he has. I, But <laughs> I... I'm still like, I made that pen a very long time ago, like a uh, very long time ago, 2018, uh, the before, the before time, the before times, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm still like, I, I took that idea and I'm, st- I'm making like in the process of making like a art installation using a lot of those concepts. Right. And like using the web browser and a lot of the thoughts that I had, you know, for this fun little pen. So that, that thing is still very much in my mind. Hang on. Art installation. Where, when, what are we talking it, about? It doesn't here? exist. It does. Well, it, the, the, the code exists, but I'm, I'm trying to turn it into an actual like thing you would walk into instead oh of something God. you run on your computer. Yeah. Yes. I love those. We'll have to talk after this. I've, I've like seen a whole bunch of really good ones lately. I went traveling after this pandemic. <laughs> I would love to. Yeah, that would be amazing. We've, we've, we've long dreamed apart that and probably we get, we got pretty far along trying to, to trying to have a code pen specific one with, with stuff like that at it that sadly never came to fruition, but one day, know, one day. We will. Yeah, indeed. All right. Well, thanks so much for your time, Jake. It's a pleasure to talk to you as always. We'll put a link to all these pens and stuff in the show notes and, uh, Take care. It was great being here. Uh, always, always fun to swing through. <laughs> See you around. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye bye.